0: (laughs) Representative Martina White is the last standing Republican in the city of Philadelphia. But instead of being demoralized, Martina sees opportunity, so much so that she recently became the chair of the Philadelphia Republican Party. We recently met up in South Philly to talk about the challenges of being red in a sea of blue. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I am in South Philadelphia with state representative Martina White, who is also the newly elected uh, chair of the Republican Party of Philadelphia
1: yes definitely and we are super excited and i really appreciate the opportunity to come on your program matt it's a nice opportunity to share some of the things that are going on here in philadelphia
0: well, uh, I'm excited to hear what you, your plans are for uh, Philadelphia as, uh, I, I mean, the, the, the scary part is you're the lone Republican uh, House member in the city as well. I, of course, no senators uh, from the city of Philadelphia. So uh, in a way, you can only go up from here, right? Uh, so uh, that's the exciting part, uh, but it also has to be uh, rather scary to think, all right, how do we bring back the Republican Party uh, in the most populous part of the state, which is going to be necessary for Republicans uh, to hold the, the Southeast and to, to pick up seats if they want to win statewide. But before we, you answer that question, I want to talk about how you even got into this world of, of <laughs> politics uh, and your route there uh, to get to the state house. Uh, where were you born, first of all?
1: I was born in Philadelphia in the far northeast, and that's where I grew up. My family still lives there today. I still live in the northeast, uh-huh. and that's uh, where all my friends are and where my community that I serve as a, as a public official that I represent. And that's what's really nice is that I get to represent the area that I grew up in. Uh, there are so many great people, a lot of hardworking, uh, middle-class families as well as seniors who are really relying on our, uh, government to be a voice for them, you know, and that's, that's the role that I, that I have there.
0: And what, what'd your parents do, uh, when you're growing up, what were their jobs? Were they involved politically? Uh, so you know, I come was, yeah. from,
1: I come from a long line of job creators actually, uh-huh. um, from my great grandfather who started out as a huckster selling fruit out of a cart in Philadelphia all the way, uh, through, um, you know, my grandfather now who is in the trucking industry, And then uh, my father, who is into all sorts of different, um, you know, entrepreneurial type activities. So he's, you know, really just been, um, you know, an inspiration for Mm -hmm. me because I think it's important that we continue to support our job creators. They're the ones that are making sure that other families across our communities are able to provide, uh, you know, food and and other things for their own children and And be able to send their kids to the schools that they want. Yeah. Yeah, And
0: ultimately, it's the only way that the public sector has any, you know, money to pay for roads or police is if you have a robust private sector. Right. Uh, And that we're encouraging entrepreneurialism and uh, people to uh, find a better, uh, you know, sale of fruit out of out of a basket. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. No, it's so true. Um, The entrepreneurial spirit and in my family, the, the work ethic is strong. And I think that's what I uh, have been able to bring to the table for for my district and now
0: for the, you know, the
1: whole city of Philadelphia as the chairwoman.
0: So were your parents involved politically? Uh, Is that where the bug came for you? My
1: my parents weren't really involved much. My grandfather a little bit. Um, But I, you know, I think we've always just been, uh, you know, involved in the community more Mm -hmm. uh, through sports. You know, I have two siblings, my brother and sister, And my brother was always on the soccer team, went to Archbishop Ryan. And, um, you know, we're always volunteering at those sorts of things and trying to be supportive. You know, I think it's important for people to be able to come together in the community, to be able to support those types of activities that keep kids motivated Mm -hmm. and also uh, learning new things like how to be a team player and. Even become healthier by being able to participate in those types of. uh, So when you grew up,
0: did you say, "Hey, our fan, we're Republicans or we're Democrats," uh, or was that just not uh, a part of the conversation around the dinner table?
1: No, I I guess the maybe the issues of the day were, but not necessarily. Oh, this is a Republican issue and that's Uh a Democrat issue. Um, It's uh, you know, it's interesting. I think over time how that has changed. I think back when I was mm. younger, and I mean, yeah, I'm 31, but back <laughs> way when, back when, <laughs> right. Yes, right yeah. Yeah, yeah. Way back when. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that, you know, when you're sitting at the dinner table, you talk about, you know, what you did at school today or, you know, what's going on with, um, you know, what you learned or what's going on with your friends. And, and um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately today, uh, in some ways, politics has become a mm. major conversation probably at the dinner table. Where it can be divisive yeah, yeah, um, or, you know, the issues of of what's going on in politics in D.C. has become more uh, apparent, I think, within the households, mm-hmm. uh, whereas when I was younger, it really wasn't a, a thing.
0: So just kind of the issues where, you know, you guys would talk about them. Um, was there a point that kind of in your growing up, your adolescent years, that you, you started thinking about politics? and uh, Or does this come later after you go far, far away from home, all the way to E-Town, right? right Elizabeth, Elizabeth Town. Town. Uh, probably, probably had no idea where that college was. Uh, being from Philadelphia, I know that, you know, kind of the world uh, doesn't go – Far west is past Paoli right that, that. right
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but you go to you go to Elizabethtown right. College so a small college uh, well, it's a liberal arts school right in the center part of the state
1: yes, it's a great school I went to school for business I always thought that I would be able to be you know help be able to help my family with their business mm-hmm. or um you know help in some way shape or form in in that type of industry and um so I went to school for business, double concentrated in finance and marketing, uh, was able to study abroad, uh, which was very, you know, it, it was really a great opportunity for me to experience that because I, I haven't been able to go, you know, as a state rep to mm-hmm. go abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of time. And and, and uh, so in any case, I uh, went to Elizabethtown College where the professors, they're able, they have typically been in their industry, their field practicing And then they go into teaching, Mm. which a lot of times, you know, you wind up with a, you know, a teacher's assistant or a professor who's teaching out of a book and didn't have that, you know, real life experience, especially in the business world. Mm -hmm. And it really prepared me well in order to um, go straight into the financial field. And that's where I think I learned a lot about what's been impacting families and how they, uh, you know, don't necessarily have the information or knowledge base to to plan ahead, you know, and that's where I've always seen myself as someone who can inform, educate, and help people move their life in a better direction. Mm -hmm. And and that's uh, kind of what prompted me to get involved in politics. I was approached Mm -hmm. uh, by a longtime family friend and just kind of went from there.
0: So, so you end up getting your degree from, uh, Elizabethtown College. Uh, you come back home. Is that, do you come right back home after school and, and I start did. working? It, it was
1: kind of the great recession. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the jobs were slim and, uh, it was very, very challenging times. And I think it really, uh, was a, wasn't, I guess, an awakening for a lot of people to go through those tough times, especially when you're in a, When when you have a family-owned business, when you go through those tougher times, there's a lot of sacrifices that you make personally and within the business itself. So, you know, you really put a lot of extra effort into, you know, trying to market yourself Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what are the other little things we can do to help ensure that the business can be successful in the future? Um, But those are some really, you know, difficult times and being in finance – We saw, you know, we all saw it, you know, walk into, uh, you know, people's homes and you try to help them plan. And when they don't have much to to lean on, that can be really, really challenging. And that's really what got me motivated to run and make the decision to run Mm -hmm. is knowing that I can impact more and more people's lives in a positive way. Um, by having that, that knowledge and education. So
0: your first uh, foray into politics is to run for the state house. It was a, an open seat, correct? Because of uh, the election of Brendan Boyle to Congress. Uh, if, have I got that correct?
1: Yes, you are yeah. correct. I came in on a special election, mm-hmm. which is when someone has to, you know, has left their term open. Uh, maybe they went on to another position, like Brendan Boyle did. He went to Congress. Or, you know, they just retire, and then there's a remaining amount of time left on their term. So I wound up running for that. It was a two-and-a-half-month election right. cycle of nonstop door-knocking. <laughs> I door-knocked 8,000 doors in two-and-a-half months in the freezing, blistering, cold winter of 2015. I will never forget it.
0: But <laughs> polar the, vortex. Yes, the time, polar yes. vortex. And,
1: uh it was intense, but it was such a wonderful experience. I, I always. Well, and always, this is the, the yeah. Democratic
0: registration here, uh, right? I mean, the, the the Democrats have the advantage. It was held uh, by Democrats for a long time. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, so the idea that uh, you probably needed someone who was young, who hadn't done this before, right, that would be willing to knock on all those doors and say, all right, we have a chance. Uh, and you not only had a chance, uh, you ended up pulling it off and, uh now you're in the house.
1: Yes, it was really funny uh, when I was running for office. You know, people didn't expect me to win. I didn't mm-hmm. know that people didn't expect me <laughs> to win at the time, and that's a little naive on my part, I guess. Not not realizing, but I think that uh, as it got closer and closer to the election. The people in Harrisburg, they're like, we actually might have to get an office together for her so um, she could win. And everyone was really excited and happy to help, you know, and be supportive. Mm -hmm. And it was it was just an incredible, incredible time.
0: Well, in special elections, of course, uh, it's uh, the the turnout is very low just because it's on an odd type of day for people. Uh, and so I bet a lot of people thought, oh, we'll get her the next time, right? Well, you got to the next time and you've won again. So uh, it wasn't just a, an anomaly of a special election, but you've been able to convince people, yeah, go with the Republican Martina White here in uh, a sea of blue, right? I mean, you are, you're an island now, uh, as we've seen over the years, a, you know, a, a dissipation of Republican uh, House uh, members in the southeast, Um, How have you sold that? How? I mean, because obviously there's quite a bit of dynamic with with uh, Donald Trump at the head of the ticket to um, just people saying, I was born a Democrat. I'm always going to be a Democrat. And how are you getting those people to vote for you?
1: Well, I think it's it's not a matter of, you know, salesmanship or or anything like that. I think it's a a matter of being relatable Hmm. to the people that are within the community. And when, um, like I said, when I ran in 2015, you know, jobs were not, you know, flourishing throughout the community. Um, You know, education options are limited for the kids because, you know, the families couldn't afford to send them to the place that they wanted to. And, uh, you know, a lot comes along with that. And when you you have the message that resonates with people, I think that's what Mm. uh, has made all the difference for me because that's what I stand for. It's what I believe in, and it's what also the people in my area believe in, and I think that's what makes it so much easier for them to, you know, maybe cross over and, and support me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the, the previous podcast prior to this one, okay. uh, I was with Chris Fry, who is the mayor-elect in the city of Newcastle, north of Pittsburgh, uh, over 70 percent Democrat registration. Uh, he's a Republican, who knocked on those doors. And same story of, like, if you can connect with the people uh, and you can get them over those labels, uh, you know, of Democrat or Republican, uh, you can win people over with the message that you have to deliver if they'll hear what you want, how you want to solve those problems, not just your party label and, and that. I think that that's where, you know, I, I don't think we give the electorate enough credit uh, of being smart enough to get past the labels, but we, it's always a challenge uh, to get past them uh, and that requires the door knocking, right? Actually meeting with people.
1: It, it it requires a lot of hard work and, you know, caring about the issues, caring about the people that you're serving. Because when you when you have that and you're willing to put yourself out there and show them what you're made of and show them that you can make a difference and allow them to see, you know, physical change in the district – uh, they, you know, they they react positively to that.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've been uh, in Harrisburg uh, for over four years now. Uh, what are the issues that you're most passionate about? What are you What are you uh, going and fighting for the most in Harrisburg, particularly for your district, but also just the things that you you're interested in? You see, here's the pathway to greater prosperity here in Pennsylvania.
1: Absolutely. So uh, just a, a couple of the key issues that um, I think that is a focus of mine and also the Philadelphia delegation in in general. Um, Well, maybe just one is with the Philadelphia (laughs) delegation and the other one is maybe a little bit uh, of interest to them. But, uh, you know, in terms of the city of Philadelphia as a whole, uh, not just my district, I think that gun violence has been a major concern. And, um, you know, we have young children being shot on the street. We have um, people who are worried about their own neighborhoods mm-hmm. uh, being subject to, you know, criminal activity, but also people who just want to be able to defend themselves. Yeah. And um, the, so the challenge is, you know, how do you balance that, you know, protecting people's civil liberties, uh, their rights through the Constitution, with also protecting young people who are suffering from, you know, violent crime. And one of the th- conversations that I had with uh, another rep in Philadelphia— he was bringing up the fact that some of these children have been facing uh you know dhs services you know they've been touched by the dhs services um 10 times but but still you know wind up out on the street you Mm -hmm. know shooting wildly in, in the street and and hurting people so what is what what does that mean and and how do we fix it and that's Our job as legislators is to um, encourage community support. And what transpired recently was another uh, radio outlet, Solomon Jones. He went on uh, and created a community meeting where fathers in the minority community got together and talked about this issue and why is this happening Mm. and what can we do. And then it's up to us, like I said, as legislators to follow that up with action and how do we reform some of the DHS programs that obviously
0: are not yeah, working. Yeah, if they're touching them ten exactly. times and don't but, see the problem, exactly. or that uh, it slips through, I think that that's probably that challenge of, mm-hmm. of, and then balancing, like you said, civil liberties or you know Second Amendment rights, uh, because yeah. I also know that uh, look, there's lots of people who say. I'm not, I can't depend on the police to get here in time, time. right? So they want self-defense. So that balancing of, hey, make sure people can protect themselves, but also how do you mitigate Uh, what you know are tragedies that that happen all too often and I think you're probably one of your bigger challenges your Republican colleagues from areas where guns are you know proliferate but they don't have those exact same problems and they probably scratch their heads and and don't fully understand what it's like in the city of Philadelphia
1: urban communities are different from rural communities and we should treat them a little differently when it comes Mm -hmm. to you know what needs to be done to rectify some of the problems that they're faced with And I would say one of the other major key issues that I know has been advocated for previously, but I think is definitely going to be a major issue in 2020 is, you know, education. Mm -hmm. It's always an issue, I guess, during during election times. But even before that, um, you know, charter reform, trying to make sure that those charter schools are being held accountable. And then also, you know, how do we expand them? Because in Philadelphia you know there's 30,000 applicants who are demanding the this this option for their children but only 7,000 students get you know that's that's yeah. it that's all a lottery it's a lottery i mean you, and you it's are a lottery. it's a gamble that too <laughs> and there's been discussions you know my chief of staff and i we just had this conversation yesterday Maybe there needs to be an exchange program where when students get into the lottery, but they didn't get into the school that they wanted, and the two students wanted to get into one another's school, they can switch. Mm, um, mm. You never know. There's okay. different ideas yeah. floating around out there, and there's um, opportunity. And that's what I think the message has been uh, kind of you know, left on the table for Republicans, especially in Philadelphia, that there are opportunities for us to uh, go into various communities, every neighborhood across the city, and promote these types of um, opportunity for for families. So,
0: so I think we've seen some great bipartisan efforts on criminal justice reform, right? Um, to me, that the question of education ought to be one of those bipartisan efforts again, because we know that when, uh, I mean, when I look at it, right, you've got the three major budget areas. You've got education, human services, slash welfare, and corrections. Uh, And when we think about uh, probably one of the greatest common denominators uh, among people that are trapped in our welfare system or in our uh, uh, correction system is a lack of a good education, right? I mean, so if we get that foundational uh, issue uh, do that better. I think that we'll have probably have better outcomes uh, when it comes to people being in those systems that are very expensive to taxpayers. So it's, it's it, not only is it a financial issue, of course, uh, it's the human capital that we lose uh, when we don't do well in educating and then people get trapped in the welfare or the correction system. It's
1: absolutely true. And even you can look at the, you know, the Amazon proposal, the reasons that large companies move to a different state is not just for the financial benefits mm-hmm. that are given mm-hmm. away, right? It's for the workforce. They need people who know how to do the work or the job that they that they need them to do. And if the you know education system isn't providing those types of um, you know apprenticeship programs or educational programs within the system, then they're not likely to come here. Mm-hmm you know?
0: So do you think that educational options and opportunities uh, could become one of those issues that becomes a bipartisan that, that we can, because uh, it just seems right now, it seems to be pretty partisan. Uh, a lot of the arguing back and forth. Uh, do you think that, I mean, can I, can I have hope that maybe we would see that it would be I a bipartisan have, effort?
1: I certainly have hope and i I'd like to work with, uh, you know, especially our Philadelphia delegation. There are communities all across the city of Philadelphia who benefit from, uh, you know, having different options Mm -hmm. in in the neighborhood for their children to go to. Um, And when, you know, you can't afford to send your child to a private school, then, you know, what are the alternatives? Yeah.
0: Well, the Democrat House Whip, uh, Jordan Harris, uh, who's been on this program, someone that uh, certainly understands that, Uh, I know Representative Donna Bullock, who's mm-hmm. also been on with me to, as we've talked about this, to me this is like one of those tremendous opportunities where you can cut across the partisan aisle and start to re- really solve problems for kids that uh, desperately need it. I mean, you use the numbers. I mean, 30,000 kids right. wanting an alternative. Uh, we need to be doing everything we can to find one because they're obviously wanting something different because they're saying, hey, what I'm assigned to right now just isn't working. So, uh, exactly. I hope I hope uh, that this might spur some more of that uh, bipartisan effort. So, I guess um, as you now have assumed uh, the responsibility for uh, rebuilding the Republican Party in Philadelphia, um, uh, what where do you see that going? How do you see people being attracted to? Is it hey, we need to have more people that will knock on doors and try to get past the labels. Uh, I mean, what that's gonna take a lot of uh, hard work. Uh, and I'm sure you're not averse to that. Uh, but uh, it seems like a very daunting task uh, in in the city of Philadelphia.
1: What I can say is that in the city of Philadelphia, people are dissatisfied with what is taking place mm. in their city government. And probably even their state-level government, I imagine. What I mean to say is that when people voted for the Working Families Party, Mm. right, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we still have our Republican at-large seat, David O., and a district council seat, uh, Brian O'Neill, that Working Families Party won in part because people were looking for something different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And then secondly, in part, because the Republicans— on our side, were divided. We were split amongst several different candidates and pushing in all different directions instead of, you know, rallying behind a couple of people that we know um, are very, very good quality candidates. And then, you know, so, so there is two parts, I'd yeah. say, uh, you know, twofold issue there. But I think in general, the fact that people are willing to go beyond their own party and select a candidate... A person on issues is, I would say, a little bit unique in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and um, something that people here are more accustomed to doing because they are educated voters. They know what they want. They know the issues and they want to be able to, um, you know, have the people represent them well.
0: So so do you think that uh, that was an embrace of, hey, we just we need to do something different? Uh, Or is it an embrace of the really more of the socialist ideology that seems to be permeating and driving a lot of the Democratic Party? You certainly see it at the national level with the uh, presidential candidates. Uh, But I also know that you've got a number of folks who uh, are in your uh, uh, house um, that were endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America. Do you see it as an ideological or just like we got to try something different? Uh, Because the way we've been doing it, Hasn't been working very well.
1: Right. I I would say it's probably a little bit of both. Um, And that's not a cop out there. That was a (laughs) a legitimate response. No, no, I Um, I, I can see that. I I, I would say it's a combination. It's a combination of people being dissatisfied with what is taking place currently in City Hall. And I would say that it is – there are things greater than us taking place across this country – and there are people willing to put their money behind candidates to achieve that agenda, whether it's good or bad for the people. Um, and in this case, the concern is, is that the Working Families Party is only going to be nothing but bad mm-hmm. for working families. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a socialist the, agenda.
0: The irony of their name. The irony of the irony name.
1: Right? Of the name. <laughs> uh, you know, eventually they're going to get to the point where there aren't many jobs left in the city mm-hmm. of Philadelphia, and all of those workers that they claim to be fighting for are going to be unemployed workers. And that's why I just firmly believe that with um, the opportunity that we have as a, as a party here in Philadelphia, we can um, bring our message forward and help people see a different perspective on these major, major issues that are really going to shape the future of, mm. of not only Philadelphia, but the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, because – when it comes to statewide seats, we know what happens with Philadelphia. It's mm-hmm. like 9 to 1 Democrat to Republican here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And voter registrations. So if we do not take a honest look at ourselves and figure out what is an urban Republican, what does that look mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. What what are the key core beliefs that we can promote and advocate for that can be successful and also bring more people into our fold?
0: Mm. Do you have some of the, those thoughts already, or is that kind of your task of like, all right, we got to figure that out because 2020 uh, is right around the corner, right? And uh, you're going to have a national election. Uh, every House seat is up, half of the Senate. You got some real battles uh, down in this area uh, that are coming for sure. Um, but where, is that already begun, or are you guys, uh, so how are you gearing up for this? Yes. So uh,
1: <laughs> it may sound like, you know, reverse psychology or something, but Uh, We have a retreat with our ward leaders scheduled for the 14th where we're going to be going over all of these various details and to figure out a game plan that is going to work, that we can set goals that are achievable but also produce results. And, you know, the the importance of Pennsylvania is – I mean, oh, yeah. so so <laughs> nationally,
0: it's it is it, ground zero. It's
1: yeah. it correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you're going to see Elizabeth Warren and all of these candidates that, you know, the Kendra Brooks, the Helen Jims of the world. Um, these are socialist people who um, are advocating for a socialist agenda.
0: These and for our listeners outside of Philadelphia. They are council. Uh, oh, I'm people sorry. Yes. They, yes,
1: yes, they are. Yes. Uh, so they, they are council representatives here in Philadelphia, and they're not going to stop. Mm -hmm. They're coming for the rest of the Republicans that are left. And the
0: Democrats. (laughs) And they're coming for the
1: Democrats. And their main goal isn't just for those local city seats. It's to promote a socialist agenda and Mm -hmm. message throughout Philadelphia so that when 2020 comes, they're ready, Mm -hmm. and they can easily just support whoever the... Um, you know, other statewide candidates are or uh, even the, the presidential candidate.
0: And I have to think that uh, that socialist message uh, scares a lot of Democrats uh, that uh, you 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 represent and interact with, um, because, I, I, you know, it's where certainly younger folks uh, that, uh, that haven't had to experience uh, or seen the travesty of socialism um, or they're just redefining it as such. Um, but do you think that we can win that battle against socialism or do you think that this is sort of this is the young people's crusade and uh, we just have to get a bunch of old people out to vote against it?
1: Look, I, I would say young people are very intelligent. OK. And um, millennials like myself who kind of see the writing on the wall, we, we've been through we lived through the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. We've had our college debt. Um, we know what it takes to get out there and work and provide for family, for our families. And so, um, you know, when we have a large number of younger people coming in to to vote, it's great. I'm so proud of our young people for coming out to vote. But I also want to make sure that they are informed about Mm -hmm. what, what does socialism really mean? Because they've been taught something different than what, A lot of other people have already seen and have fought against for you know generations Mm -hmm. um i think that's where we really really have to focus um as you know as a party but also as americans like we yeah if that's the direction that the country is going to go in We are in for a rude awakening. Yes,
0: indeed, for sure. Well, I hope we can uh, both uh, uh, do well at that education effort because uh, it would be a travesty for what, you know, America has been in the history of mankind uh, around the world, what we have done because of, of free market capitalism. Uh, to say that we need to reject that and go towards a system that has been an abysmal failure uh, all throughout the history of mankind. So uh, hopefully we can reverse those things. And uh, uh, I guess maybe it will be, uh, you experience a little bit of socialism. You go, know? uh, I don't want any of that. <laughs> hopefully we'll see that.
1: Thank you so much. Well, thank yeah. you for
0: coming on, Bruzen and Views. I wish you all the best in uh, rebuilding. The Republican Party in Philadelphia. Uh, Your re-election, of course, uh, is up as well, so you got to tend to that. Uh, But uh, um, it's great to to have you on, great to have you in Harrisburg and fighting for the causes that that you care about.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I am so grateful for for what you're doing to get out there and talk to the different uh, representatives. You bet. It's It's my
0: pleasure. Thanks, Martina.
1: All right. Take care you've been listening to brews and views a production of commonwealth partners chamber of entrepreneurs find us on facebook at commonwealth partners and follow matt briette at m-a-t-t-b-r-o-u-i-l-l-e-t-t-e